I get it. If you're just starting out building your small business, you might be freaked out with all the business admin stuff you have to figure out. My advice is, and this might sound a little harsh to hear, but nobody owes you any answers. It's up to you to summon the resilience and resources to get your paperwork sorted and keep it sorted. Although I'm leaning in with some tough love, our sponsor FreshBooks is anything but tough to use, that is. You see, FreshBooks makes cloud accounting software that's so ridiculously easy to use, even for those of you that are intimidated by numbers. You can create and send a professional-looking invoice in about 30 seconds. When you connect FreshBooks to your bank account, it will generate expense reports from what you charge to your credit or debit cards. Is that not going to make, make ta- tax time a million times easier for you? FreshBooks can also show you exactly when a client has looked at your invoice after you've sent the email. Oh, and you can automate late payment reminders when a client hasn't paid you on time. You can check out FreshBooks free for 30 days without a credit card, which is really rare. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com backslash my taught you and enter my taught you in the how did you hear about a section. Testing, testing. Is this thing on Hello, you guys. This is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast. I am here. I am back. Sort of. Today is Friday, August 10th, 2018. Um, I decided to do a podcast today um, just because I am taking most of the month of August off. That was my plan, right? Um, And in me taking this supposed month off, I feel like the first 10 days have been spent like catching up on real life things. So what are real life things? Y'all, I was riding around with a, um, saying y'all is how y'all know I've been in Atlanta, Georgia for far too long, almost a decade, but I was rolling around with a nail in my tire for several weeks and I was actually just every five days putting air in it, right? Because very, very busy. So I've been doing things like, um, replacing my tires. Uh, I've been having to do a lot of, um, cleanup work stuff, um, but I'm here and this podcast today is, uh, the title that I'm going to do is how do you do it all? Right. Um, and then I do have some questions at the end because I do still love answering your questions. So this podcast is like my league. How do you do it all? And the truth is I don't. Um, I am having uh, my sips today um, as a new mom. I'll let you guess what I'm having. I'm not even going to tell you. <laughs> you guess. Um, but I'm going to get into it. I've got eight pages of notes today. Um, I had Noah on Monday, March 26th at 5 p.m. An after work baby. Um, I am a stay at home working mom. I work in and out of the house. I'm able to get Noah when he wakes up. I cuddle him, I feed him, and then I'm able to pass him off to dad or the nanny. Dad is also working very much full time, working so full time that um, he is actually out of town. Um, So he is still doing his thing. I am still doing my thing. So I work a little at home and then I go out for a bit. Um, I get I get to come home to breastfeed or pump every three hours. That was, that is how I'm able to maintain my supply. 
Um, so Noah is typically getting one to three bottles of expressed milk each day. He is exclusively, exclusively breastfed. Um, it was really important to me that I do that. Um, I know a lot of people are not able to, but I kind of like challenged myself and was just like, you know, if I was able to start a business from nothing, I'm going to try to to do my best to do this. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But um, I wanted to give it my all. And so I, if you follow me on Instagram, I've talked about this ad nauseum, but I joined a support group. Um, I also went to Breastfeed Atlanta to make sure that like uh, my flanges were the right size for those of you who are moms or who have ever breastfed, you know what I'm talking about. But make sure like my flanges were the right size. I just wanted to try to set myself up for success that way if things didn't work out you know I felt like I had exhausted all my options so long story short that has been going well um so twice a week I'm gone for most of the day but for the most part I'm kind of in and out of the house like today is a is a prime example so Fridays for the month of August I have decided that I don't really want anything on my calendar in terms of like work or anything like that so today I got up I went to the gym. Um, I was able to work out for the first time. I'm trying Orange Theory. One of my friends does it and she loved it. And so there's an Orange Theory in walking distance um, to me. So I tried it. I actually liked it. Um, I still feel I did the class like several hours ago and I still feel like my body is kind of like warm. So I enjoyed it. Um, Many people have seen me on the road at Essence Festival or different events and whatnot. Um, and I will tell you something. I naively committed to things while I was pregnant. And as a woman of my word, I did everything that I committed to. Um, it's been hard, but it is done. Every few days, someone will say to me, I don't know how you do it all. And here's the thing. I don't do it all. I do a lot, but not all. Um, two weeks into having Noah um, around two weeks into having him around the clock. So when I brought Noah home, his dad stayed home. I want to say for like a week and then he had to go right back to work because he had the show. We knew this when I got pregnant, I knew this, but having been home with him all that for those weeks, I was just like, I have to have a nanny. So I called a nanny agency, you guys. And, um, because I just kept hearing this thing playing in my head. I can't do this. Um, I really felt like I couldn't do it. So there's a reason for this. I never got any time off of work. Never. Um, I do things like tell people I wasn't working. Um, I set out of offices in hopes that people would slow down on sending me things, but that doesn't really work. Um, so I hired a nanny as a second set of hands. I really want to be present in the early part of Noah's early parts of Noah's life. I'm here. I'm home during the week. I'm in and that I'm in and out of the house with meetings while someone is always here from eight to five. I didn't realize how hard even getting the help was going to be. Um, watching someone do mom things with my kid gutted me at first. Um, I strangely wanted to be the only person that did everything for him. I wanted to change every diaper. You know, 
I'm going to talk a little bit about the whole diaper setup, the whole diaper dynamic in, in our home, but I want to change every diaper, be it every feeding, bond every minute. And that's just not my reality. And I realize that it's not the reality for most women um, who are moms. Statistic, 70% of mothers with children under 18 participate in the labor force with over 75% employed full time. That's most of us. I'm a full-time working mom working in and out of the home, my reality. Um, having a second set of hands is incredibly helpful um, and expensive. Um, having a full-time nanny is twice the cost of the most expensive daycare in her area. And while we're talking daycare, I can't get Noah in anywhere right now. Um, he got accepted to my first school of choice for August 2019. That's next year, you guys. So um working to try to get him somewhere. Um, I've got some plans and I got some, some strategies for what I'm going to do to try to get him in. But I'd like for him to be socializing with other kids by the time he's nine or ten months. Um, but back to, I made a list to try to say, for those of you who are wondering, how is she doing everything? This is my list of how I'm getting it all done. The first thing I'm doing, I have a list of six things and I thought about a, no, I have a list of eight things. And I thought about a ninth thing while I was in the, um, the tub, um, how I'm getting it all done. Number one, I'm eliminating everything that I can. Okay. I had to literally cut all of the fluff. I'm so deliberate about my time. I cut all unnecessary appointments. I've chopped my call times down to 15 minutes. So I've explained to you guys that a lot of what I do, um, I am in sales, you know, so I do a ton of sales calls during the week um, and just like all kinds of different calls. And most of the calls will be scheduled for like 30 minutes or even blocking my calendar for an hour. But I am trying to realistically cut things down to 15 minutes, no more than 30 minutes. I cannot, you know, be on the phone all day, unfortunately. And there's only a limited amount of calls that I can um, do. Um, I still have my out of office on and things don't, you know, and things that don't need to be responded to by me are now going by the wayside. So I'm just trying to eliminate all of the fluff. And I don't, I didn't realize how much fluff I actually had going on before I was a mom. You know, now my time is so very limited. It's like, I have a, I have a, an actual start time and an end time where before I was a mom, I could get up at four, five, six o'clock in the morning, work for a couple hours. I could work until eight, nine, 10, 11 o'clock, but I have to be super diligent about my time. Number one, because I'm paying, you know, I, I have a nanny that has to go home. Um, and you know, my days of getting up super early in the morning and working just are, are not a reality right now because I'm usually getting up three times a night to feed a baby. So, um, any time that I have in the morning is used for sleep. <laughs> Second thing that I'm doing, you guys is making everything convenient. You know, I have a person who comes and does my hair at my house. I realize that that is a very, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Privilege, maybe thing to say, you know, I get that this stuff costs money. Um, but the, I guess the, the twist on that is that, you know, I spend all this time working to basically spend all this money to basically be able to work. Okay. 
a vicious cycle or it's like, I, you know what I'm loving on Twitter is when people say, thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> That's exactly what that is, is that I'm working all this time to make this money, to spend money, to work. But anyway, um, I get my hair done at my house. I've subscribed to everything recurring in my home, paper towels, toilet paper, laundry detergent. Um, I'm ordering groceries from Instacart. And something I've been doing lately to sort of treat myself is that you guys are going to be like, no, she didn't. I have been going for 30 minute foot massage, right? And this is a treat yourself moment. So like maybe every other week or maybe once a week, as often as I can, I go for a 30 minute or one hour foot massage. And during that time, I order my groceries online, right? Multitasking. Um, Number three, I have help. Um, I have someone that I pay to make sure nothing falls apart. Um, She's not cheap, but she's worth it. I like to call her just like a ninja of sorts. Um, Anything that I need, she does. And um, she submits her hours um, and she gets paid. Number four, I have dad help. Um, Dad changes 100% of the diapers um, when he's home. That's the deal that he made with me. And it's very helpful since I am breastfeeding and I'm typically the one getting up all through the night. Um, And I don't like to do the bottle feeding through the night because, you know, based on my research, and if you follow me on Instagram, you know, I have researched everything based on my research. Um, breastfeeding through the night is how you're able to, uh, have, you know, birth control by breastfeeding, you know, uh, there's some, some, some information on that. Just do a quick Google. But so I get up and I breastfeed through the night so that, um, I cannot have another baby. Um, and I'm not getting, I was about to say something and I'm like, okay, let me not, let me not say that on this podcast. I'm sitting up here talking to y'all like you, my girlfriend in my living room. Um, but anyway, uh, dad also follows me around with my cell phone, um, and water. Um, I never seem to have my cell phone and I always obviously need it in water because breastfeeding for me has made my mouth drier than the Mojave Desert like I have never felt anything like this in my life and so I told him if you see me somewhere without a glass of water around or in my hand please just bring me one so he has been helping in that way um there's many things that that he's doing but those are the two things that are top of mind um number five is family support um both grandmas have flown in to help out over some critical work dates. So I feel very lucky for that. Uh, Noah's Grammy and Grampy will be here next week um, for five days to kick it with him. So he's so very lucky and loved. And he has seen um, my mom, I think three times in the last, I would say month and a half. And he's going to see um, his Grammy and Grampy on his dad's side next week. And so they FaceTime with him and he was squealing. So I know he's going to have a good week next week. And I'm going to get a little bit of a break. Um, Number six is something that um, I just discovered. And that's a Saturday um, nanny or babysitter, whatever you want to call it. I'll admit that doing having a Saturday sitter seemed excessive to me at first. And then I tried it. I felt like having a nanny was already indulgent. So that's all of the help I felt like I should have. Um, A weekend nanny allowed me to have some time to do one or two things that I actually like to do. Because right now, um, the weekday nanny really just covers me while I'm working. Once I get home to relieve her, I clock in for my second job, play with Noah, cuddle him, bathe him, 
him, wind him down, put him in the bed. After I have him down, I hop back online for another hour or two. And every now and then I'm able to take a nap before he wakes up for his first feeding, which is two to three hours after I've put him down. I have no time to do anything really. So the Saturday nanny allowed me to do one thing um, that made made me happy. So last week, the man and I went for lunch at a new restaurant and then to the farmer's market. Nothing extravagant, but something we haven't done in forever. Um, another thing that I'm doing to, to quote unquote do it all is I'm saying no a lot more now than ever. Um, I get a lot of invitations to speak and appear and accept awards and I, even as appetizing as they are, I just can't right now. Um, I've committed to one thing this year for the rest of the year, and I'm doing the Essence Northwestern Mutual t- Tour. Super excited about it. I really enjoyed the one that I did in Dallas. I'm going to be in D.C. Um, that's on my Instagram page. I'm going to be in Chicago, and I'm going to be here in Atlanta. Um And that's really all I think I'm going to do for the rest of the year. You know, uh, for those of you who have kept up with me via IG, I did a retreat, seven months pregnant, kicking off the year. You know, I have just done too much and I'm going to just try to take it easy. Um, I am going to do a live podcast mark your calendar. Um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be ambitious and schedule for two shows like I did last year. I'm feeling like maybe people will still want to come see me. Um, if not, then maybe, uh, you know, uh, maybe I won't do the two shows, but I like the way we did it last year. So I'm going to do it live podcast Saturday night, November 17th, Sunday, uh, afternoon, like a matinee show, November 18th. And, Last year when I did this, I was newly pregnant and just a mess, y'all. Like, I tried to stay for the meet and greet, but I was just like, my back hurt, everything. I was sick. But this time, I will be able to to dig in and spend some time. And this time, I would like to maybe do some fun, like, meet and greet stuff before. Um, I'm not exactly sure of the podcast format, but I would love to have a few of you up on stage and maybe answer a letter with you, you know, with you there or talk through some things or have somebody on who had a really interesting letter. So I'm still thinking about that, but that is my plan. And I'm going to be dropping that information very soon. Um, something else, um, that, you know, how I'm getting it all done is that I have no time to, to overanalyze or even over, you know, look back on wonder. Um, I've had some things happen over the past few months that were quite, quite questionable. Um, pre-mom, my leak would have taken a deep dive wondering what, when, and why. I'm really, as my girl Jess Lively says, in flow with everything. Um, Anything that wants to go is released. No questions asked. I'm living in a drama-free zone. Um, If you can't speak up and use your words, it's not my job to get in your head and guess what's wrong. Sometimes people will leave us guessing with their behavior and I've decided to close the book, close the door, close the window. Not my problem. Um, I talked about the silent treatment on Twitter recently and on my Instagram, you guys, and I'm going to do a separate silent treatment podcast. I'm recording it on Monday, Monday, I think it's either Monday or Wednesday. I'm not sure, but, um, the silent treatment, um, quote is painful to endure and 
Someone who stonewalls another person to gain control of a situation is emotionally abusive. They're saying, in essence, you are unworthy of being recognized as a human being worth decent treatment. Some psychologists say that the silent treatment causes emotional damage that is similar to physical abuse. The brain reacts in a similar way, whether the behavior is physical harm or emotional neglect. So um, I'm not dealing with that. So if the silent treatment is someone's uh, preferred method of communication, I'm off that. But we're going to take a deep dive um, into that with a therapist, licensed therapist next week. Um, So that is how I've been quote unquote doing it all. What is next for me? Um, after you have a baby, they say that you can get back to you in six to eight weeks, you know, um, eight, if you had a C-section, um, I had a C-section plus I labored for eight hours and then I got an epidural and then I labored for another seven hours. Um, and then I got a strong recommendation for a C-section. So, um, when I went into labor, I was due on a Saturday, And that Sunday night, um, woke up, went to the bathroom, my water broke and I don't know why they call call it like water. (laughs) I don't even know why they call it water It's amniotic fluid. And it's disgusting looking, um, horror, you know, like horror movie style. Like I was expecting for it to be like, Oh, this lovely splash water. No, it was insane. But anyway, um, my contractions whipped me around right away. So I always laugh when um, one of my neighbors, she recently had a baby. I think her baby's just a little over a week old, but she, I would see her walking in the neighborhood and she would be like, you know, I, she had gone into the, the doctor's office thinking, you know, that she, she might've been in labor. I was like, honey, when you are in labor, you will know. Okay. That's my experience anyway. So Um, after eight weeks, I was determined to get back to it. Um, I went to back to the gym for a few weeks and everyone was surprised to see me there. Wow. You just had a baby. You know, I felt proud to be pushing myself past my own limits. And then I had to get myself together. Why are you pushing past your own limits and for whom? My stomach was still numb in some areas. I didn't have any kind of schedule figured figured out. Working out early mornings was just too hard. Noah's waking schedule is still a bit of a guess. Um, I typically breastfeed him when he wakes. And even if I don't feed him, I still have to pump. Here's another thing. <laughs> I'm used to working out with very small boobs, y'all. Um, I was trying to run in this new post-pregnancy, carrying 20 pounds Um of like boobs with milk. And I was like, whoa, your girl needs a real life sports bra. I've never um, really, you know, I got those little play ones, the ones that you see, you know, forever 21, um, free people, those, those little cute ones. And so I had to, I had to upgrade my whole situation. So I stopped working out for about another two months. Um, I told you guys earlier that I worked out for the first time today at Orange Theory. I liked it. Um, I'm still working my butt off. Um, I love the idea of my son seeing me as a working woman. Um, in an article I read, adult sons of working moms tend to be more tactful communicators, hold a more accepting view of gender equality and have a deeper respect for the unique challenges of working mothers. I'm doing some readings. I'm doing some reading. Um, I'll do another book 
podcast with my friend Tony. She wants to hop on and talk about what I'm reading and I want to know about what she's reading. I'm getting massages as often as I can. I'm doing my best. I planned my first girl's baby trip and I can't wait to take Noah on his first like little vacation with mama. It'll be six months. Um, so as far as today, uh, my son is four months and thriving. My business is nearing the seven year mark. I have no complaints, but I am huffing and puffing most days. So I want to get into a few questions. Here we go. Actually, let me take a sip because my mouth is dry. So remember how my mouth would be dry pre, you know, like baby is, I can't even believe I'm doing this, uh, but here we go. Let me get a sip. And don't write me telling me how awful it is for me to take a sip because I don't like that. Don't do it. Be nice. Be nice to me. I'm trying. Okay, here we go. I recently got rejected from a job I interviewed for because they thought I wouldn't thrive in their work environment. But here's the reason it makes no sense to me. They said that I seem to prefer planning and being organized and their environment is changing a lot, a lot right now. It seems to me like someone who is good at planning organization would be an asset to them right now to help them work through those changes. But what do I know? I even addressed that during the interview and told them I understand plans change and it doesn't bother me as long as I know the goal I'm working towards. It's a small software company with a little under 200 employees and all of my experience has been at large corporations with like 10,000 employees and up with the exception of my current company and software at about 600 employees. I think it might be because I put together a portfolio for the interview and they're a smaller company and that has never been done before. For the three jobs I've secured over the last five years, the portfolio was always well received and it set me apart. It's just it's just a one-page professional bio about my work history and education with one sentence about a couple of hobbies. I always include a resume in the portfolio and I included three short positive reviews of my client phone calls and my current job to show proof of my work. And lastly, based on training for my first corporate job, I created a 90-day plan of how I'd be successful in the job based on what I've learned about it during the interview process. I was like, that is so gangster. I thought a portfolio like that would have been particularly helpful for this job because I'm trying to make a career change from software sales to the post sales area of maintaining client success with the software. The software company I'm currently working at love the portfolio and I secured a position at another software company four years ago with the help of the portfolio. This is the first time I've had it perceived as negative. The only other thing I can think of is maybe they didn't like that I had questions prepared to ask at the end. I typically write down questions on a sheet of paper and reference that at the end of the interview when they ask what questions I have. Or maybe they didn't like that I emailed thank you notes after the interview. I had an email from the recruiter with the names of everyone I was interviewing with. So even though I didn't have their email addresses, it was easy to guess them with the standard email address format. I've always been taught to send a short thank you note to people I've interviewed with a recap to what I can contribute in the job and to thank the interviewer for their time. I'm curious to know if things have changed with interviews over the years. Is it now frowned upon to go the extra mile with a portfolio, prepare good questions to ask and to send emails saying thank you? Or was 
or was that just a one-off occurrence with the bad feedback from the interview? Maybe because it was a small company or not a culture fit. I have more interviews for similar jobs coming up and what I'm doing. And if what I'm doing is a bad practice, I don't want to continue doing it. Any advice would be appreciated. So sometimes when I write my answers and then I go back and I read these questions, I realize that I didn't fully read the question. So I'm going to have to excuse some of the stuff that I have. But um, at one point when you were like, maybe it's this, this is the first, you know, this is the first time I've had it perceived as negative. I don't think my first thing was like, I don't think we know for sure that the portfolio was perceived as negative. Because when I go back, I realized that you said, um, they didn't think you would thrive in their work environment. Um, you know, they said that you seem to prefer planning and being organized. And so the thing, what I got from that is like, you know, I said, there are a multitude of reasons why you didn't get the job. Um, and the why may not always be directly reflective of you. Um, the fact that you are as organized and as together as you are may just mean that they are not right. And you'd be surprised at how many companies are running on a shoestring and in pure chaos. You know, um, it could be that your pedigree, maybe they are not prepared to pay you what they know you're worth, you know, that could be a thing. Sometimes companies are looking for people who maybe have some room to grow because that is what they can afford. Smaller companies, that tends to be the case. Um, another thing is that sometimes companies already have an idea of who they want to hire, you know, a referral of sorts, but they'll go through the motions of interviewing folks and wasting their time just to say that they properly interviewed for the position. To me, it sounds like you did everything right for the kind of organization that you want to work for. Remember that interviews are two-way streets. Do you really want to work for a company that leaves you second and third guessing yourself? If you really want to know, you can always ask for feedback. And so I wrote this not realizing that I think what you're saying is that you did ask for feedback or this is just the feedback that they gave. Um, but if, you know, I guess you could ask for feedback on the portfolio, but I kind of am like, well, screw them. Um, I just say um, things weren't a good fit. That happens in both professional and personal relationships. Sometimes things just aren't a good fit and that doesn't make either party bad. Next question. A few years ago, I re-entered the workforce after being a very after being on a very extended maternity leave for almost two and a half years to take care of my triplet girls. She writes LOL and I'm like, dang. Yeah, I two and a half years, I can totally see that. Um, prior to maternity leave, I was on the fast track with a career in marketing and communications. Needless to say, I had to leave that particular job as my position was not going to be able to be held for that long. When I started working again, I landed a job in a small advertising agency as the lead PR manager on a high profile account. Two and a half years into this role, our client's budget shifted and hence my particular role has been eliminated. The saving grace is that I come with 15 plus years of experience in marketing and client management. And thankfully, they have been able to shift me into more of a project manager role for the time being. Um, I will also add that I am not loving this, but hey, I have mouths to feed. Yes, you do, girl. 
Now, I have been around long enough to know that although companies promise that they will always have something for you to work on, that is not always the case. In my particular situation, my agency is very small, so that's even less of the case depending on client load. My question, I have an immense desire to stay the path of PR and have been looking for another job within that field. The roles that I am seeking are more along the lines of either senior PR manager or director of communications. Am I being overly ambitious? I have only had the title of PR manager for three years. Should I try? Should I only try to seek another, other PR manager roles, even though I bring years of experience in marketing communications? I don't want to sell myself short, but I also want to set realistic goals for myself. What would my leak do? My leak is not really all that obsessed with titles. You know, I understand that they matter in many ways, but I would be looking for work that I enjoyed, um, kind of regardless of the title. You know, I get wanting to have a more senior role, but I don't necessarily think that wanting a title is ambitious. Many companies give out titles in lieu of pay, in lieu of paying people money. So here you go. Take this title and go get some money from somebody else, right? Um, many entrepreneurs are calling themselves CEO and founder of companies that don't make any money. So that is why I don't really think it matters. You know, sure, go after these roles if you meet the qualifications. Um, many will say how many years they're looking for. If you don't meet the qualifications, apply anyway and be prepared to sell yourself um, on why you should be hired in spite of meeting the qualifications. And so, that is the deal is that I think that, you know, going after things that you said, you know, I don't love this, you know, and that really stuck out to me. You know, I'm doing it, but I don't love it. I have mouths to feed. So if you are going to, you know, do something different, I would do something that you loved. And if doing what you loved pays enough for you to have mouths to feed, then you're going to work your way up, uh, period, point blank. Last question before I go relieve the nanny. You guys, it's 4.30. Your girl got to go relieve her. But here we go. Hey, my leak. Um, and the disclaimer on this letter is that she wrote it to me two years ago. And I found it looking for something else. Um, there was another letter that I wanted to read on the podcast today. A question that I answered when I went back and reread it. She said, P.S. Can this please stay between us? And so it did. And so I typically, I don't always do that, you guys. Like sometimes you ask me questions. And every now and then when there's an urgent question of like, you know, you interviewed somewhere, you got two days to respond. Um, I try to help out when I can if I'm in my inbox. But um, for the most part, the email address my taught you at gmail.com is for podcast questions. But anyway, that was a long winded way of telling you this is an old letter that I just read and I actually dug. She says, I enjoy your life and your hustle and appreciate you taking the time to help us. Okay. So I'm not even sure where to start, but I'm gonna try to keep it as real and short as possible. I'm stuck. I went through some old emails today and realized I've been talking about the same damn things for years and years and years. I've always been a visionary with lots of amazing ideas. Okay, I think they're at least decent, but never really fulfilled anything, meaning I start but never am motivated enough to get to a point of real reaping and harvesting. I realize that I blame my upbringing, which was dysfunctional in a non-traditional way, and life mishaps for where I am, and that leaves me wavering in and out of self-pity. For example, one of the things I harp on is being able to be myself. 
one of the major life dramas that continues to follow me is that my personality is too strong. My opinion is too strong. The way in which I articulate. I've even been told that I manipulate. I don't know. Exes, old friends have been dropped because of it. My last situation broke me down and now I've become a turned down mousy people pleaser who is secretly angry with even more people to blame for where I am in my life. Though I am a budding and struggling entrepreneur, my relationship mishaps actually affect me the most negatively. With all of this in mind, I am always trying to fix myself. Therapy, books, constant hashing things over. I'm over it. I'm over myself. I want to wash the board and start over. Work hard, be happy, less thinking, more doing. Even writing this is slightly frustrating because I'm like, here we go again with the explaining. But I want to change so desperately go to a boot camp or something what are your thoughts on resetting i know that i'm flawed but i also know that i have some inherent qualities that would be valuable if used correctly i loved your last sentence of your letter i know that i'm flawed but i also know that i have some inherent qualities that would be valuable if used used correctly that sentence alone made me want to be your friend you're the kind of person i like knowing You're incredibly self-aware. I'll say this though. There is no reset button. Trust me. If there was one, I'd be using it and selling it. Getting to a place of actually digging yourself is usually a long, long road. um, When you're in the place that you say that you're in and it sounds like you are in the midst of a transformation. I think sometimes we don't really realize that is that we think that there's like, we can start this thing over and it's like, ding, everything's done and complete, right? We don't really understand that that transformation or even changes take a really, really long time. And the fact that you've tried therapy, you're reading books, um, you're going through the motions, you're insanely self-aware, it's like you're in the middle of it. You're, you're, you're somewhere, um, on the spectrum and sometimes it's, it's ongoing. Like there is no end point, right? There is no fully baked moment. Um, so if you're in therapy and I, and I said, again, this letter is two years old. I don't know where you are, but I did write you back because you know, that mattered to me. If you're in therapy, I say, stay there and give it time to do its work. One thing my therapist reminded me of in the beginning is that, I've been behaving in a particular way for, you know, 33 years at the time that I started therapy. So you're talking 33 years. That is your entire lifetime of dysfunction and and trauma, right? Um, You're doing the work and it may be a while before you actually feel like you can see any results. That doesn't mean that they aren't happening. Um, There will still be casualties while you're doing the work to get to a better place there will be. Um, when I first started in therapy, I felt like nothing was happening. And then I'd have an episode where I'd act out, um, know that I acted out and then circle back and apologize or try my best to sort of correct that situation. Um, that may have happened a few times and then I would like stop doing it all together. Some things took years and if I'm and if I'm being all the way honest some stuff I'm still working on so the change doesn't happen all at once 
it's gradual. You start to notice that you aren't making certain choices or saying certain things. It takes time. Give yourself some grace, but keep going. I sent you an email today to see how you're doing with all of this. I hope you have some good news for me. I'm looking forward to hearing back from you. That's it for me, you guys. Um, thank you for so much for hanging with me. Um, I, every week I get... Um, I get the stats on my podcast downloads and you guys are still downloading my podcast. Like I'm still recording all the time. And I know that that's only happening because you're telling your friends who are telling your friends who are telling your friends. And so I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to all of you that come and support me. Um, Every time I have spoken this year, I have done my best to stay after and talk with you. And I love talking with you after. So you, you drive so far. You, you spend the time and, um, I get a little emotional when I think about this, but I just want to say thank you for supporting me and seeing me. And I hope that I'm able to provide the same for you. I can't always stay, but I definitely do my best. Um, I am going to be in DC all of the days that I have, I do plan on staying unless they are kicking us out. Um, I do want to stay and talk after with you. So, my website is mytaughtyou.com or myleek.com. My email address for letters is mytaughtyou at gmail.com. I'm off for the rest of the month, so my plan is to do more podcasts, um, more podcasts, more interviews. So hit me up. I'll talk to you later. Bye.